0: Hello, this is Pastor Jimmy Harper. Thanks for listening to this Lee University broadcast. We're excited that you are joining us today for one of our many campus events. We hope that you are encouraged as you listen. Prayer is the heart of worship. It is that intersection between time and eternity where we encounter the one who is outside of time within our time. And it is good and customary and it's part of our tradition to always go to God Before we read the scriptures, let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word that was spoken and created all that is in existence. We thank you for the word that became flesh and lived and dwelt amongst us. We thank you, Father, for speaking words to our ancestors and the words that they preserved in writing. And we thank you, Lord, that these words now speak to us. Father, indeed, help this word to be planted into our hearts and our minds, and may it produce fruit. We love you, and we praise you, we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, by your power and for your glory. Amen. The Old Testament lesson comes to us from Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 23 and following. Listen now for a word from our Lord. At that time, Moses pleaded with the Lord, Sovereign Lord, you have begun to show to your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do the deeds and mighty works that you do? Therefore, let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country of Lebanon. But because of those Hebrews, the Lord was angry with me and would not listen to me. That is enough, said the Lord. Do not speak to me about this matter anymore. Instead, go up to the top of Pisgah, look west and north, south and east. Look at the land with your own eyes, since you are not going to cross into it. But rather, commission Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land that you will see. This concludes the reading from Deuteronomy. The reading from the New Testament lesson comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verses 39 and following. Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt, and prayed, Father, all things are possible with you. Nothing is impossible for you. If you are willing, take this cup away from me, yet not my will but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. This concludes the reading of the New Testament of Luke and the Old Testament of Deuteronomy. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. As a young girl, I would often spend the night with my friend Karen. Before I got my driver's license, my mom would have to drive me to her house, and we always would pass a cemetery, a large cemetery, and my mom would point out the window as we drove past, and she'd say, see those stones? See all those tombstones? Every one of those stones symbolizes someone who prayed for someone and God said no I would roll my eyes and say that's ridiculous that's terrible theology mom God doesn't will people to die that isn't God's will that people should die My friend Karen invited me to spend the night with her again last year a couple nights in fact out in Colorado My friend Karen, my dearest friend, she danced all the way through high school. In fact, she majored in dance at Colorado State University. After she graduated, she joined a tour company and she danced for 10 years until she met Mills, fell in love, got married, settled down, had a family. After the first child, her hips started to ache. After the second child, The doctor said that at age 40, she would have to have a complete hip replacement. So, her mother-in-law was going to take the first week, I was going to take the second week, and then her parents were going to come after me. My job was to go and take care of the house, take care of the children, while Mills traveled with his job, and Karen did physical therapy and rested after surgery. Aspen was 15 months old. Her big brother, Asa, had just turned four. At the moment that Mills and Asa picked me up at the airport, Asa started to ask me a very important question. "'Oh, Miss Heidi,' he said, "'would you please play with me with my new kitchen creation magic oven Play-Doh set?' His dad intervened and said, Miss Heidi's tired after her long trip, maybe later. But Asa was persistent. And every day that week, he asked me, Miss Heidi, would you please play with me with my Kitchen Creation Magic Oven Play-Doh set? (laughs) And I would say, not yet, maybe tomorrow. And then on my last afternoon there, Asa asked the familiar question. Miss Heidi, would you please, please, please play with me with my Kitchen Creation Magic Oven Play-Doh set? And I said yes. With great excitement, he climbed up into his booster seat at the table, pulled out the box with the yellow cylinder plastic containers as I put down a plastic placemat in front of me and a plastic placemat in front of him, and I reminded him we have to keep the Play-Doh on the placemat so as not to make a mess. And he nodded. The plan was dinner, and the menu was pot roast with blueberry pie. I was the sous chef, and I was in charge of the pastry crust. So I stuck my hand in the bright yellow Play-Doh, released the suction, pulled it out of the plastic container, plopped it on my placemat, and with my green rolling pin began to roll out my crust. He was in charge of the blueberries, and he'd pull off a piece of purple play-doh and roll it in his hand, making perfectly sized marble balls. One by one, he made the blueberries. and Everything was going swimmingly until out of the corner of my eye, I noticed Asa making this perfect little blueberry play-doh, and then he took it in his fingers. He looked at me, and then he looked at the play-doh, and with great joy, he squished it and then proceeded to drop it on the floor. Then he took another chunk of purple Play-Doh and rolled it in his hands, making the perfect little marble-sized blueberry, and then he squished it and dropped it on the floor. And then Asa turned to me and said, Miss Heidi, will you pick up my Play-Doh? It fell on the floor. I said without even looking at him, No say, you can pick it up. He paused, and then he said, Miss Heidi, pick up my play-doh. I said, No say, you can pick it up. At that he got up on top of his booster seat, stood up, leaned over the table, and began to pet my head. Miss Heidi, you're so pretty, so pretty. You're the nicest, nicest, nicest person in the whole world. Would you please pick up my (laughs) Play-Doh? I said, no, Asa, you can pick it up. At that, he took his purple pudgy little hands, grabbed my face, and turned it so he had my undivided attention. (laughs) Miss Heidi, what if, what if I pick up half and you pick up the other half. I pulled away, and I said, Asa, you dropped them all. You pick all of them up. At that, he began to turn red. His eyes began to well up with tears. I can't pick it up. I need you to do it. I said, Asa, you drop the Play-Doh. You pick it up, but I can't. And at that, he put his hands and fists, and then he bounded across the table, and all the blueberries went up into the air and onto the floor. And he began to scream at the top of his lungs. I said, Asa, stop it. Asa, if you don't stop. Asa, if you don't stop, I will never, ever Play kitchen creation magic oven Play-Doh set with you ever again for the rest of your life. (laughs) And Asa howled louder. (laughs) So I grabbed my plastic placemat, stood up, and marched over to the sink and began cleaning it off into the kitchen sink. And the room got real quiet. Before I knew it, Asa was standing right next to me. Looking up, his eyes streaming, his face splotchy red, his nose all dribbly. Miss, Miss Heidi, <laughs> I said, Yes, Asa. Am, am, am I a good boy? At that moment, John Calvin began to speak to me, and I. W- <laughs> <laughs> You are totally depraved, there is no one righteous, no, not one. (laughs) But I refrained self-control, (laughs) self-control. I said, Asa, I love you no matter what you do. I love you no matter what you don't do. I will always love you. And then he said, Miss Heidi, will you hold my hand? and stay with me while I pick up my Play-Doh. I said, yes, Asa, I will stay with you while you pick up your Play-Doh. This morning's Old Testament lesson from the Old Testament states to us that Moses had a similar situation. He prayed to God. He pleaded with God. He begged God, please let me into the promised land. And then he begins to schmooze God. He says, it was really their fault, those Hebrews' fault that I dropped the play in the first place. And by the way, God, you are so pretty. You are just the prettiest, 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 nicest God. There is no God more powerful than you. Can I please go to the promised land? And God said no. God says no quite often in the Old Testament and in the New King David sat in sackcloth and ashes, weeping, crying, pleading, begging, praying for his infant son's life. And God said, no. The Apostle Paul pleaded three times that God would take away the thorn in his side. Please take this away. Three times. And God said, My grace is sufficient for you. No. I think sometimes we as Christians, we come and we approach prayer as if there's some sort of formula, some sort of mathematical equation that I have to kind of figure out. What did King David do wrong in his prayer life? Surely God wouldn't want an infant baby to die. Maybe David didn't fast long enough. What was wrong with Paul's prayer? Maybe he should have pleaded four times or five times. Sometimes we come to prayer as if there's some sort of formula, as if I can just put my prayers in the gambling slot machine and just keep on pulling until I finally get what I want. I'll just keep on annoying God persistently. Or maybe if I quote Scripture, by your stripes, God, as if God doesn't remember what the Bible says, I have to remind him. Or maybe I don't have enough faith. That's it. I just need to pray harder. I need to pray longer. I need to fast longer. I need to then also put my name on a sign, stick it in the ground, and get as many people to pray for me as possible. Fill up that petition. What I need is a lot of people to pray to God that I'm not the only one out there requesting this Father. The problem with our formulas is that they sometimes just don't seem to fit with our understanding of the nature and the true character of an all-loving God. And so I struggle with prayer. I'll be the first one to admit that I have a tendency to fall into these formulas because that's how I was taught to pray. And I will often go to God and plead and beg and cry as if the first prayer wasn't good enough. And I will say, dear God, please, I need you. I can't do this without you. And on so many occasions, God has said to me, you made the mess. Pick up your own Play-Doh. I hate it when that happens. Or sometimes I'll haggle with God. And I'll say, well, what if I do X? And then, then you'll do Y. If I read my Bible and I pray and I study and I memorize my manuscript, then when it comes time to preaching, then you, you do your own part too, oh God. You show up. Soften the listener's hearts. Open the listener's ears. Speak through me. Help me not look like an idiot. Dear God, please. And I will plead with God and beg God so that I can convince God, persuade God, manipulate God, put God's arm behind God's back, and somehow by kicking and screaming and praying and crying, I can control God. And in my lack of humility, I somehow think I know what God's will should be. And I say to my mom, surely God's will is not for someone to die. That's ridiculous. God doesn't want people to die. That's not God's will. And yet, on the night that our Lord was betrayed, he went out to the garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed, and he begged, and he cried, and he pleaded with great angst, such as drops of blood, And he said, Father, all things are possible with you. Nothing is impossible for you. Father, please, please, God, please just take this cup away from me. And God said, no. Thanks be to God.